Hey, Red Rocks Church, what is going on? Uncle Jimmy, Pastor Jimmy here from I-5 City in Baltimore, your brother from another mother. Guess what? I am so honored to be before you this morning. What an incredible opportunity for us to grow together, to listen together, to learn together, and to, and to really just decide that we're going to continue to walk together. You already know that you have two of the most amazing leaders in the entire world. Come on, let's give it up for your pastors, Pastor Sean and Jill Johnson. They are absolutely amazing. Uh, Sean been looking like he's been doing push-ups during COVID. He's getting stronger, finally to get on Jill's level. <laughs> but no, nah, I'm just joking. But I believe what we need in this season is a little bit of laughter right now. I know that things are tense in our country. I know that the racial divide is wide and great, but I also know that the power of the Holy Spirit is greater. And I, I love your pastor. And Sean gave me a call and he said, hey man, I just would love to have a family talk with Uncle Jimmy on a Sunday, uh, on a weekend, uh, and whether even if you watch this broadcast later, this is just a family talk in the form of a message. Yes, the divide is crazy right now, and uh, we just experienced the, the, the death of Ahmaud Arbery and, and, and now the death of, of George Floyd. And uh, in our country, I'm telling you right now, the tensions are high. And I want to acknowledge that right now. And I want to acknowledge that some of you are uncomfortable talking about this subject, but I am family. And as family, we should be able to have a family conversation. So I just want to ease your anxieties in this moment. I want to ease any fears in this moment. And I want to help you be in on the conversation. Uh, and, and you all know that I pastor a predominantly African-American church, and we're also having some conversations. The conversations just look a little bit different. But as we are family, I just wanted to share where I'm at right now as your uncle. Uh, you know, I'm having to have conversations with my son that I wish I didn't have to have. It's real for me. The pain is real for me. My heart is hurting a little bit, but I also know that the call of God is real. And I want to be a part of the solution, not a part of the pollution. I believe that God has called me and our church to be bridge builders. And here's what I know about building a bridge. You're going to have to be willing to be walked on by both sides. So Red Rock Church this morning, I want you to join in with me on laying some foundations for some bricks to build a bridge in the racial divide and the racial gap that we've been facing. Uh, in our cities, uh, in our country, in our world, even in our churches. And here's what I believe. I believe that Red Rocks Church is the hope of the world. I believe that the local church is the hope of the world. And I believe that the local church is called to be light. The message version in the gospel says that we are here to be light, bringing out the God colors of the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going as public with this, as public as a city on a hill. What is that saying is that God cannot be a secret to certain demographics. That the power of unity and the power of freedom and the power of togetherness cannot be a secret to people that are not in proximity 
with us. We've got to go public. We can't be private in our homes. We can't be private in our schools. And as Dr. King said many years ago, we have to face the sad fact that the most segregated day of the week is Sunday in the most segregated school in our countries. It's Sunday school. But I want you to be in on the conversation. I'm believing God is helping Red Rocks Church change that. Change that in Denver. Change that in Colorado. Change that in the country. Change that around the world. And so I'd love to have a family discussion with you because I've been getting many phone calls. I had a, an, an amazing conversation with your pastor when he just called to check on me to say, Jimmy, how are you doing with everything that's going on? And what I love about that conversation, he says, I understand the pain. I don't understand the pain that you feel, but I do understand that we're family. And it doesn't matter that I'm white and you're black. That when you gave, when we both gave our lives to the Lord, we became brothers. So I want, I want to, I want to, I want to see the George Floyds as my brother. I want to see the Ahmaud Arbery's as my brother. We are family. And I believe this, that God wants you to be in on the conversation. God doesn't want us to be bystanders as churches. He doesn't want us to be bystanders as, as, as humans. He doesn't want us to sit in the cheap seats and talk about this and talk about what they should do and what that. No, we can't judge. We got to bring people to Jesus. I want to open up with this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 9. And this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture where Paul is trying to bring hope to a situation to the, uh, to, to the church of Corinthians but where they're hopeless and they're worshiping idols and, and they got a call of God on their life, but the, you know, they're worshiping these idols. And what I wonder right now is we don't need the idol of hate. We don't need the idol of divide. We need the idol of unity. What only comes through the presence of God. And I want to jump right into this, and I'm going to help you be in on it, because so many people have been asking, what do I do? How do I get involved? What do I say? Well, let's have a conversation. 1 Corinthians 9 says this, even though, I'm going to read from the mess, or the message version. I'm going to call it the messy version, because our country is a little bit messy right now. And it says, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have, watch this, voluntarily become a servant to any and all. Why? In order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I love what he says next. He says, I, I, I didn't take on their way of life. I, I didn't have to sell out. I didn't have to change who I am on the outside says that I didn't take on their way of life, but I entered. I kept my bearings in Christ and I entered into their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. He says, he says, how did I do this? He says this, I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God saved life. He says this, I did it all because of the gospel. Wow. I did it all because of the message. I did it all because of the kingdom of God. I did it all because grace is the unifier and we all need grace. 
He goes on to say, I didn't want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Red Rock Church, for the next couple of minutes, I want to talk to you from this topic. It's time to be in on it. It's time to be in on the change. It's time to get off the bench of complacency and comfort and get into the game of the Great Commission. Huh. The Bible says that in the Great Commission that Jesus was given all authority to go therefore and make disciples of all people. All authority for all people. Not all authority for some people. Not all authority for white people. Not all authority for just black people. Not all authority for just rich people. No, all authority for all people. And what that lets me know is this. If we're not going after all people, we're probably only experiencing some of God's authority. And in this season, we need all of God. And how we're going to get all of God, huh, how we're going to operate with all of his presence and all of his authority as if this gospel message is for anybody, everybody, and anyone. Huh. That's what we need. We got to be in on it. And I want to help you. I want to empower you. I'm going to ask those who are used to being voices to take a second and be an ear. The Bible says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. I don't care what Fox or CNN or, or MSNBC is saying. I want to know what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to me and my house. I want my kids to be in on it. I want your kids to be in on it. I want my church to be in on it. Racism is real. Stereotypical thinking is real. Unforgiveness is real. Hurt is real. It's real. And I want to be in on changing that fact so that I don't have to continue to not have answers for my son where I have to say that's just the world we live in. Huh. If the church is the hope of the world, it's the church. It's the church's responsibility. It's the church's job to change the world that we all live in. You know what we need? A visitation from heaven. We need heaven to come to earth. It's time to be in on it. You may say, Pastor Hall, do I be in on it? Uncle Jimmy, how do I be in on it? I don't live around African-Americans. How you being on it is number one, is you enter. Somebody say enter. We got to make an entry point. We have to enter into people's world. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 21 uh, uh, and 22, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept who I am. I didn't have to talk down. I didn't have to talk white. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered into their world. Oh, gosh. What a better time to enter into the world of hurting people. To enter into the cities that are in turmoil. What a better time to make an entry point into disaster. I love how Jesus, he was about entries. Matter of fact, when he called the disciples, 
He said, follow me, for I will make you fishers of men. He says, listen, if we're going to enter into people's lives, we're going to have to leave the profession of, 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 of just arriving in the profession of just me and mine, me and my four and no more. We're going to have to leave a mindset to enter, to change somebody else's mind. We got to enter. I remember my first art conference, and you all know that I'm a part of the ARC, the Association of Related Churches, and, and we, we, what we have in common is Pastor Dino and Pastor Chris and Pastor Greg and the amazing, our amazing family at ARC. And I remember the first art conference eight years ago, and I was sitting all the way up in the balcony. There was about 3,000 leaders in the room, <laughs> 3,000 people in the room, and there was only about 50 African-Americans. But something in me said, this is the family that I want you to enter. And let me tell you something, that wasn't comfortable. Can I encourage you that if you're going to enter into the commission, you're going to have to be willing to leave your comfort. If you're going to enter into the great commission, you're going to have to be willing to leave your comfort. We got to make an entry point. And what, what no one knew at that time is, I just began to take over my parents' church, which was 99.5% African-American, and we could have just kept running that play. We could have just kept uh, changing the game in just that community. But God called me to, to birth a dynamically diverse church. And so, uh, you know, when we did this, man, I got a lot of hate. I got, you know, well, why, why do we have to change? And, and, and why do we have to, and, you know, why can't we just have church to ourselves? And let me tell you something, I understand the result of pain. I understand the symptoms of pain. Is do we really have to go there? Many of you are wondering, do we really have to talk about this? I'm going to just ask you this. If you don't talk about it for your sake, can you talk about it for Uncle Jimmy's sake? Man, I've preached here a few times and you guys trust me. I'm not fabricating anything, but I'm asking your church to enter into the fight to help this equality thing. And I know what you're saying. Haven't it, hasn't it gotten better? That's easy to say when you're not experiencing it. But I've come to recognize that anything short of equality is not progress. So it's hard for me to hear, well, haven't we progressed? I don't know about you, but when I get sick, I need to get all the way better. <laughs> and until I'm all the way better is the time that I can say I'm healed. Why? Because... The doctor entered into my life. I believe that we as the church, as the tangible hands and feet of Jesus, we need to enter into people's lives. Whose lives? Not just the ones that are in proximity. But the Bible says in Acts 1-8, check this out. We just celebrated Pentecost Sunday a few weeks ago. It says, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, what has he done? He has, he has empowered you to be witnesses. Oh, I love that. To be a witness to who? Well, you, you can't be a witness to somebody who already knows. <laughs> you got to be a witness to somebody who's not there, somebody you're not in proximity with. That's what a witness does. It gives an account of what happened to somebody who wasn't there. So if you stay in your in-group, if you stay in your comfort group, how can you be a witness? It says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. There's the word, uttermost. You see, between... 
Your hand and your head is your comfort zone. On the other side of your hand is your uttermost. That word uttermost in the original word, it means time, space, and rank. Who are the people that you spend the least amount of time with? Who are the people that are furthest from you that you're not in proximity with? And who are the people that are last on your list? And here's what I've decided. We all have an uttermost. I have an uttermost. You have an uttermost. But God is calling us to enter into the other side, into the world of the other side of our hand. You know, Jesus was about entries. Jesus made entries. I love uh, uh, just if you if you read the Gospels, Jesus entered Jairus's house, who was a temple. Come on, somebody who worked in the temple. And what did he do when he entered Jairus's house? He healed his daughter. Wow. Jesus entered Zacchaeus house and he brought revival and salvation to Zacchaeus's family. Jesus entered Peter's house. Come on. And he healed his mother-in-law and I'm sure he didn't like his mother-in-law. So Jesus does. Jesus, when he enters things, he changes things. You know what Jesus did in John chapter four? He entered into Samaria. I love that. Because everyone else avoided Samaria. Everyone else went around Samaria. But Jesus says we have to go through Samaria. I want to offer to you Red Rocks Church that God wants us to go through this, not just waiting for it to get over. Because God, if God's going to do something through us, he first has to do something in us. What I've been praying is God help me to enter the lives of people who don't want to enter my life. You know where else Jesus entered? He entered into the tomb. Oh my God. You know what happened when he entered into the tomb? He redefined death. He resurrected. Let me tell you something. Every time you enter into someone else's life, God is calling you to be life-giving. God is calling you to change the direction, to change the narrative. God is calling you to bring healing to hurting people. God is calling you to bring faith to people that are in fear. Pastor, how do I do that when I enter? Paul says, I entered into their world. Number two, you know what else he said? He says, experience. I experienced their world. There's one thing to enter. The next thing is to experience. He says, I entered into their world. First Corinthians 9, 21, 22. Uh, and I tried to experience things from another point of view. Oh my God. I tried to experience things from another point of view. In other words, when I entered into their world, I took notice of the differences of their world. Right now, come on, the church is different. We ain't having church like we used to. I'm, I'm preaching in an empty room right now in Birmingham, Alabama. It's different, and I'm ex my experience is different because I'm in a different room. Wow. Take notice. Take notice of the neighborhoods that you got to drive through that you feel a little bit of fear. Take notice. Experience it. Take it all in. Man, I love, now let me tell you something. We need highlighted experiences. We don't need high definition experiences. We need highly diverse experiences. And guess what? The, the, the more pixels we have on our TV, the better. It reminds me of going to Best Buy. I went to Best Buy and was looking for a TV. 
And let me tell you something. I love watching sports and I love watching TV. You know, you know what I love about Best Buy? I love it because I can see, you know, how much I'm going to pay for the TV. And I have never seen anyone walk into Best Buy and says, I don't want the color TV. Show me what you have in black and white. <laughs> you know what? That's what I think about when people say I don't see color. No, no, no. I see color. I definitely see color when it comes to football. I want a high-definition 4K television. Can I just offer to you that you don't want a high, I don't want you to want just a high-definition 4K television and, and not want a highly diverse four-corner worldview. I want you to have a highly diverse four-corner worldview. To the four corners, not the four corners of the church. Let me experience what life is like outside the four corners of the church to the four corners of the world. Man, experience. We need to experience life different. So I want to offer to you, I see color. I'm different. You're different. My hair is different. My upbringing is different. Come on, my skin is different. My skin is different than your Pastor Sean's. My skin gets a lot ashier faster than yours. Wow, because we're different. And it's when we acknowledge each other's experiences that we can move from experience, from entering to experience, watch this, number three, to empathy. Empathize. Empathize. I didn't say sympathy. I said empathy. You see, sympathy, it allows me to stay far from it. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, that doesn't affect me. Oh, oh my gosh. I, I pray for those people. That's sympathy. Man, it's terrible what that's what's happening to our African-American brothers and sisters. No, no, no. That's sympathy. But when we're family, you can't just stop it. Oh, you know, your, your brother's hurt or your kid's hurt. You got to get, you got to have empathy. Empathy is rooted in compassion. Empathy means to get involved. Empathy means I feel it. Empathy, empathizing. Uh, 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 it means to sit in the path of empathizing. I love Pastor Dino. He's one of, uh, one of my pastors and one of my best friends in the world. And he says this, here's a definition of compassion. To put your hurts inside of my heart. Oh, that's what I love about your pastors. They have put Irene and I's hurts inside of their hearts. That's why we're having this conversation. And some of you are going to be upset that they're having this conversation. But I'm hoping today that you put my hurts inside of your heart, that you put conversations that you don't have to have with your sons and with your kids inside of my heart. Let me tell you something. I would just love for you right now to put down your opinion and to put down judgment if you have that and put down making a point because what I have come to discover that if we're too busy trying to make a point, we're going to fail to empathize to make a difference. The Bible says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Wow. You know what I've been praying? Even with you, my church, your church, people who hate me. I said, God, help me to have compassion for people that I can't convince. And I've been praying that every day. Huh? Help me to have compassion for people that I can't convince. And you may say, well, pastor, I'm not sure if that'd be true. I don't know how to enter into your world. I don't know how to empathize. I don't know how to experience it. Well, I got three kids. They're wonderful. 
I love my three kids, 19, 17, 14. And I remember the first time Irene and I were married about a year and she said, hey, babe, we're pregnant. I was like, great. And I had no idea that there was something called Lamal's class. So I went to Lamal's class and you know what happened there? They taught me how to help my wife have a baby. They taught me how to help her deliver something uh, 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 with pain that I would never experience. I've never experienced labor pain. Come on, all the males listening to this, you've never experienced labor pain. And you would never say to your wife, it's not that bad. It doesn't hurt that bad. Why? Because you don't understand her pain because you've never experienced her pain. Well, how do I have empathy? Well, what they taught me in Lamar's class, that when I get in the, deliver in the delivery room, that my job, even though I'll never experience her pain, is just to hold her hand and help her breathe through it. Wow. Red Rocks Church, what I'm asking us to do is to hold our hands and to say, Pastor, we're going to help you breathe through it. We're going to be in on it. We're going we're to enter into your world to be in on it. We're going to experience things from your point of view to be in on it. We're, we're, we're going to empathize to be in on it. We got to leave our proximity. We got to talk to people at Starbucks that don't look like us. We don't want to walk across the street when we get into a situation where it's so easy to have a stereotypical thought and prejudge. I want to be in on this. I want you to be in on bridging the racial divide. I want you to be in on using your influence and speaking up when things are wrong and not laughing at jokes or not or, or letting your silence be mistaken for agreement. When you're at a, a, a meal and someone throws out a racial slur and it's so easy to say nothing, you're uncomfortable. But I'm looking for some family members that says, Pastor Jimmy, Uncle Jimmy, I'm going to be in on it because I love you and I have taken your hurts and put them in my heart. Paul said, I want you to be in on it by entering into the world, by experiencing things that I'll never experience myself, by empathizing. And the last one, how do you be in on it? Now I can engage. I need to enter. I experience. Mm -hmm. I empathize. And now I engage. He says this. I've just about become every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. Wow. Wow. Servanthood. How do we change this? We serve. We serve people we don't understand. We serve people who are hurting. We serve people who are struggling. We serve people who have doubt. We serve people who are angry. We serve people who are writing. We serve them. We don't judge them. We serve them. Why? Because Jesus says, when I looked at the crowds, I didn't judge it. I had compassion. And when I have compassion, he says this. I looked at them as sheep that need a shepherd. Oh, I love that. Could God be allowing you to be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus in this season to lead people who are sheep without a shepherd. Paul says, I didn't want to talk about it. I love how this ends. I wanted to be in on it. 
How? Through servanthood. How? Through stepping up. The Bible says that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. You know what happens when you serve people? They are released from the penalty of sin and death. And when you serve them, what is it? You don't know that that, that filling someone's need is actually the seed of salvation. When you serve them, it's going to set them free. It's going to bring them to Jesus. He said, I want it to be in on it. I don't know about you. I want to be in on it. I'm tired of the world being divided. I'm tired of walking into rooms and I can't assume that I'm welcome. I remember when I first came to your church to preach, I loved Pastor Sean and Jill, but I was scared of you a little bit. What are they going to think? What are they going to expect? Am I going to be stereotyped? Not because that's you, but because this world, everybody, all white people aren't racist. I get that. Let me give that disclaimer. That's not a truth, but I've got paranoia. Like, am am I welcome in this room? But when you enter my world, when I enter your world, When you experience my world, when I experience your world, when I empathize with what you're going through and you empathize with what I'm going through, I got to engage because we are family. Because when I got saved, my ethnic culture became a subculture to the kingdom culture. And the Bible says that when we pray, we pray heaven to come to earth. And this whole scripture This whole gospel message is wrapped around the kingdom mindset of a king and a government and citizens in a culture called the kingdom culture that's rooted in anybody, everybody, and anyone. It's highlighted in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that's big, that's wide, I want to be included in the whosoever. So I need you to engage. I need you to reach out. I'm asking you to reach out to people who don't look like you. I'm challenging us to not judge what we see on TV and the narrative that the media wants us to believe. I'm asking you to every time you're in a situation to think of Uncle Jimmy and Jaden and Maya and Kayla and Irene. You see, when we're family, you don't put an ethnic culture to it. You put a name to it. Jimmy. When you hear the joke, say Uncle Jimmy. When you're confronted with, what do I believe and what do I think about this culture? Auntie Irene. Cousin Jaden. Cousin Maya, Cousin Caleb, see my face, engage. Tell you one last story. Me and my wife and my family were driving down the highway in Annapolis and there was a car that uh, was riding us closely behind and kind of swerving and I could tell that the driver was inebriated. And so I didn't know what to do because, you know, I I was protecting my family. And and so I slowed down and, you know, he almost hit us and he went by us about 95 to 100 miles an hour. And so I called 911. I said, listen, if we don't get this guy off the road, he's going to kill somebody. 
And before I could even get off the phone, uh, this guy was about to go off and exit. And before he went off the exit, he decided to get back on uh, the main highway. And when he did, he, he fishtailed a van in front of him. And that van began to tumble about 65 miles an hour down the road, tumbling about 20 times over and over and over. And you know what I did? I didn't, didn't just enter. I didn't just experience. I didn't just empathize. I had to get involved because there was someone who was being tossed over and over and over. There was someone who was going through the ups and downs of life. There was somebody who was injured and needed somebody to help them. And so I got out of my car. I pulled over my car against traffic. I got into traffic. I put my own life at stake. Real story. I ran over and I saw blood everywhere. I saw a truck and a van that was mangled. And it was absolutely amazing that when I decided to engage, I found supernatural strength to do what I wasn't able to do outside of this hurting person. And I ripped the windshield off. I entered into this situation. I looked around and experienced it. I couldn't believe the pain. I was hoping he wasn't dead. And with supernatural strength, I looked at this white man and I picked him up out of the van. And I called 911 just arrived and I carried him to safety. I had to engage. And I'm sure, I don't know his name. I don't know his background. I don't know if he was a racist. But in that moment, what I do know is it didn't matter the color of the skin at that moment. He needed someone just to help save his life. And God chose me. In Red Rocks Church, I believe God is choosing you not to just talk about it, but to be in on it to take that person out to lunch who may not be rolling down the highway in a van, but their lives are all over the place and they just need, well, what do I say? Let me tell you the first thing you can say. If you're white to a black person in this culture right now, I care. I'm sorry you're hurting. I don't understand, but I will help you breathe through the pain and help you get to a place of health. I'm committed to doing life with people who don't look like me because I want to be in on it. I never saw that guy again. Can't judge him. I just helped him to get to Jesus. Red Rocks Church, you want to be in on it? Can you pray and not post? Can you think about Jesus and not judge? Can you remember Uncle Jimmy? And when I come and when all this COVID craziness and I walk into your church, can we just love on each other like we're family? And I don't have to know your experiences and understand them, but I'm committed to help you breathe them through it. Red Rocks Church, I pray that the Holy Spirit gives you enough breath in your lungs by the presence of God to help resuscitate the issue of the racial divide. That's my heart. That's our family talk. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you 
Sean and Jill, the Johnson family. Thank you for this amazing church with all of these amazing people. And Father, I know that there are not a lot of African Americans near their campuses. But God, if diversity never shows up in the seats, I pray that there'll be a church that want to make it show up in their heart. Father, we pray for heaven to come to earth. You said in 2 Chronicles 7:14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then you would hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their land. Father, heal the land of our hearts. Heal the territory of our minds. Heal the land of our souls so that you can use us to be in on it, to heal the land of our world. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, Red Rocks Church. I'll see you in a few.